Taking action is the first step to change. The Shiv Show, an irregular podcast in a regular world. Introducing your host, Shiv Rad. Let's do it, guys. Uh, for everyone who's joining, uh, welcome again. This is week nine of Work From Home Minutes. I can't believe that nine weeks have flown by um, that we've been doing this. And uh, so my name is Shiv. Obviously, we have Rashan here. And usually through these weeks, we, we, we bring a topic to every week and we, we kind of expand on it and talk about it. And I think that today's topic is probably one of the toughest conversations that we, we absolutely have to have. Um, and, and no one likes to talk about this thing. And, and, and I think that's a problem, right? No one likes to actually talk about it. But we have decided to spread awareness about, about racism, which is a topic today. And quite frankly, it's 2020. And I think it's, it's quite embarrassing that we're still talking about this in 2020 and still talking about uh, race equality. Mm-hmm. But it is real and it is happening. So week nine, it's all about racism. And uh, Rashawn and I are going to actually share some stories that you know, both, of I have encount- both of us have encountered racism quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I have in Canada, I have in Australia, I have in the U.S., um, it, it almost seems normal, and uh, that's what we need to break. So anyway, Rashawn, over to you, man. That's it, man. And um, it's going to be a pretty pretty interesting one. Unlike, I think, the previous weeks, we want you guys to actually join in and, you know, comment. And, you know, it, it's actually pretty interesting because uh, over the last few days, we, we both ran some questions and some polls, which gave some really interesting feedback, which we'll share with you guys as well. So I think... Um, feel free to engage with us, you know, talk about your stories. If, you, if, you've, if you've had your encounter, you know, make sure that you share that story and be part of the conversation. That's, I think, the important thing here. It's not just about us. We say that every week and um, we get bits and pieces sometimes. So um, today is no difference. But uh, let's kick things off, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess I want to start by saying, you know, the obvious, right? The obvious is, that we know all lives matter. Mm. This is not a, you know, a lot of people are, are, are putting in all lives matter as a defense. We know that all lives matter, but right now, if you look at what's actually happening, black people are getting murdered in the street in broad daylight by police. Mm. And, and that's mm. something that we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, so it's time that we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about other people and other races and equality. And so I just wanted to start off with the, audio, uh, with the obvious but, um, you know, Rashan, you were chatting earlier. Why don't we start by sharing some, some stories? I know you had a racial encounter that you wanted to share. And I think what we want to capture is, you know, really how that made you feel. Yeah, look, uh, it, it's, it's funny because obviously coming from a different country into Australia, Australia is pretty good, I think, because we're here in a multicultural society. It's, it's kind of known as a multicultural environment. So I think we're a little bit lucky. But, but there, it, there's been many, many different instances, I think, that um, – you know, I've encountered racism in their own different regard. Most of the time you kind of, I personally, even though you can, you can feel that there's something different and something obviously you cannot change because you're like your skin color. Um, I kind of let it flow off my back, kind of like water off a duck's back type thing. But, uh, but this was actually back when I was um, working in a building site and doing construction work. So back in uni during architecture studies, I wanted to go and do hands-on work and we were doing building work and it was the builder itself. He was a really good friend. Um, he, he's an awesome dude. Still to this day, he's an incredible friend. However, his father had the mindset of the previous generation. Now we were both working as 
tradies for his site, right? And um, I remember particular one of these particular days where I was actually working inside the living room painting walls, so nothing too taxing, just painting some walls. And on the other side of that wall, he was given the task to demo one of the bathrooms, which is actually you got you got to take a sledgehammer to the wall. It's the most easiest job. You don't need any training. You just smash a wall. That's it. And um, so this guy, after a few hours of knocking down this wall, uh, my, my maid, the builder, he comes over and he asks him, you know, just to check on the work, he comes over and has a look. And he's just turned that wall into dust rubble, which means that it's going to be three, five times harder, that, harder to clean up than normal. And, um, and so my mate, he went, oh, my God, Dad, what have you done? You know, like this is going to take, take, take us hours and cost us more money to actually clean this up. And his immediate words, like nothing was phasing him. It's just the norm was, oh, it's fine. Just get the black fella next door to clean it up. And, and I'm the one next door, obviously, mm. because I'm in the next room. And I can hear this even though I got earphones on. And my initial reaction was I laughed out loud, right? And, and then my builder was, my mate was like, oh, my God, Dad, you can't say that. You know, go and apologize to him. And he was like, no, nope. you know, I, I'm never going to apologize to a black fella. That's, that's, it's not going to happen. And um, so this was really interesting because he then came over, this, this guy in his 40s, apologizing on behalf of his dad because of a completely generational mindset difference. And I said, look, man, it's not a problem. And he thought I was going to get offended and go and sue him because it was during a workplace as well. So it was a little bit of a mm -hmm. different encounter. But um, that was a really fun one. <laughs> um, I use the word fun loosely, but obviously that if mm -hmm. I took that to heart, um, I think it would have taken down a different, different image. But obviously from that point onwards, I just distanced myself from him and just managed to get on with my work simply because of my other relationships. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that was a, that was a bit of an interesting one. Have you had any stories yourself? Oh man, I have, I have so many. And I think we, we've spoken, we spoke about a few last week, but um, you mentioned, you mentioned something and, and I have to disagree a little bit, right? I have to, and, and the reason why is because the conversations I, I've, I've been having the past mm -hmm. week. So a lot of people have approached me and said that, you know, this is not a problem in Australia, right? And I think that they are looking at this entire issue as a black versus white problem. And we cannot look at it like that. This is not a, this is a racism issue. And I think there is a racism issue in Australia. And if, if you look at the history with the indigenous people mm -hmm. and if you look at if you look at you know colored people coming in a lot of things are said and a lot of things have been said to me and um you know my, my first my first day and i wrote about it in the book my first day in australia um i got punched in the back of the head because i was walking and I, you know completely sober this is at like nine o'clock at night uh welcome to sydney getting called um getting called terrorist getting called isis and getting punched in the wow. back of the head now, uh, you know, that, that was my first day here in Australia. And, and listen, a lot of these things happen in Canada, too. So mm -hmm. you can't label a country as, as being racist. But a lot mm -hmm. of things happen. And, you know, I, I do just want to say before I go into the story that um, I have, again, over the past two weeks, been chatting about racism quite a bit with people at work, uh, with, with friends, with family. And what I've noticed is a lot of people that are, are neither black or white think that this is not their problem. And, you know, what I have to say to those people is this, this is absolutely your problem because you're part of humanity, you're a human being, and mm -hmm. this, this cannot go on. And I had a lot of friends tell me that, um, you know, hey, this, I'm not black or white. This is not my issue. 
And I think that if we look at this entire issue like that, we're never going to solve anything, right? So, and and again, it's those hard conversations that you have with really close friends mm. um, or close family members, but you have to have them. So, you know, an example I wanted to give was, uh, you know, I wanted to buy a motorcycle, I think two years ago. And I messaged this guy on Facebook, said, hey, nice, nice bike. I would love to come and check it out. And um, he gave me a price. You know, we did our negotiating. And then I ended up buying the bike from someone else who I found, by the way, actually, you know, three or four grand cheaper, significant savings. Mm -hmm. And this guy just went off on me. He went on my Facebook. He started taking pictures of of, of my brother-in-law, who's, you know, Punjabi and has a turban and saying, hey, um, you know, who's your towel head friend here? Why don't you go to India? Yeah, ridiculous stuff. Go to India. Um, you know, go, go back to India where you guys all clean toilets. Like this is, this came from somebody in, in, in Melbourne. And and I remember thinking, I remember getting angry, but I remember thinking like, I actually feel really sorry for this person. Mm. I feel actually very sorry for people that are racist because first of all, I have no time for anybody who's racist. I don't even like Mm. racist jokes. Mm. Don't do it. But number two, you really lack that, that emotional intelligence of, of having a conversation or growing within society. Right. Mm. And, and that's sometimes what I, what I feel very sorry about, uh, you know, when it comes to racism, I feel very sorry for people that, you know, are super racist out there because I, I, you know, with the world changing and it's getting so much more multicultural, despite, yes, we're seeing a lot of crap mm. in the U S and, and around the world. I think this, this needed to happen. And we will talk about protesting soon. This needed to happen. And, um, you know, I think the world's going to change. And again, I feel sorry for those people that are going to be left behind. Well said, man. And I think, you know, actually thinking out loud now that um, the point about not one particular country, even going back, it just reminded me that um, every city in Australia has a boundary street. Now, I'm not sure if you, mm-hmm. um, I think recently I shared that with you, but most people don't know the story of Boundary Street because there's a Queen Street, there's a King Street, there's a Albert Street, you know, those are pretty common. But um, the reality of Boundary Street was um, was actually said to me by a friend of mine who's who's been around for a very long time. He's, he's about, I think, in, a, in, a, in his 70s from memory. But um, Boundary Street is literally the boundary where if Aboriginal people were caught on one side of that street after 6 p.m., no questions asked, they were shot in the head. And if they were, they're allowed to come as far as the other side of that street, but not on the following side. So it's simple as that. And every boundary street was, that was done to protect the city center um, during those oppression times. Obviously, which is why our prime minister, you know, back then did did his own apology and everything like that. But the fact that Boundary Street still exists as Boundary Street, it for families that were affected for for you know the generations that have had their grandfathers, you know, go through those things, it would still be leaving a mark for them. And and I think um, I just found that story incredible, just to you know, as a part of the Australian history. I, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. And, and, you know, talking about racism and, and actually talking to a lot of friends and seeing even, you know, what friends, what colleagues, what family members think, mm. you know, this, this starts from home, right? It starts from the home. And, you know, I think as an adult, it is our responsibility to, to break out of that. And, you know, we, you and I spoke earlier today about Hassan Minaj and what he has to say about it. Obviously a Pakistani guy, mm. um, and he talks a lot about, again, you know, I brought it up before, but 
if you look at Asians in general, right? Mm. Chinese, Japanese, Filipinos, Indians, Asians in general, mm. a lot of us are looking at this like this is not our fight, but mm. it absolutely is, right? And and we talked about, I think I told you on the phone quickly when, when Martin Luther King Jr. signed that treaty, it was for everybody of color, not just black people, but everybody of color to actually migrate and immigrate into the US, right? So it was, it's actually very important. It's a fight for, for everybody mm. of color. And I think that, you know, what we're seeing right now is not just a fight for humanity, but it's also a fight for every single minority out there. And, you know, one thing I wanted to share was, was the, growing up in an Indian community, and I grew up in, in an Indian community. And um, now that I look back at it, I can realize that, you know, we were actually pretty racist growing up. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, like, I think I shared this story last week where, you know, my mm -hmm. parents, my family, my cousins, everybody was, you know, we we had friends that were, you know, majority of our friends were, were Indian mm -hmm. or, you know, West Indian or whatever. And then as soon as you had that friend that was, you know, black, parents were all kind of like, well, hey, you know, be careful. And that kid could have been the nicest person in the world. And that kid, a lot of my black friends growing up have grown up, you know, super successful. Mm -hmm. But as kids, we're taught to kind of watch out for that, right? So as an adult, and I think every adult, it is their responsibility to snap out of that bullshit that your family kind of, you know, your family kind of teaches you. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, when you look at, you know, 50 years ago, things were very different, but, you know, this is 2020 now. We don't live, we don't live in the, the 1900s anymore, right? Things yeah. are completely changing. And, and that's why, you know, again, when it comes to racism, I just, I, I can't fathom what we're going through right now. And to me, again, it's super embarrassing. Well, that's the thing, mate. And I think it's, it's, it is definitely an adult thing because if you put it, put it, put colors, all the different babies of different colors, you know, an Asian baby, a brown baby, a black baby, a white baby, all of them, put them in a room, put them in, put them in the same playpen. They're all going to get along. They all play together. And there's so many videos going around. It's evident. Even if you go to my mom works in a childcare center, if you go to her, a workplace it's literally the same thing doesn't matter what culture you're from however you start to see like you said the differences pop up because of their environment because of their upbringing and i think it, it's completely spot on so i think there as a, as a baby obviously or, or a toddler or you know five-year-old six-year-old we can't necessarily think for ourselves at that higher level but us as adults and i think people who are in that environment, you definitely need to unlearn those bad um, behaviors and think about humans, think about beings as all, it's all equal. It doesn't really matter what the hell your color is. And I think that's what um, annoys me as well. It, um, it's not just about black, but it's that perception mm -hmm. that we fear. And then obviously after 9-11, one of the biggest things that happened was brown became the new black. <laughs> and yeah. You know, and yeah. I've, I've had I've I've been called a terrorist as well. It's um it's it's just the reality. And actually, in fact, it was I was called a terrorist by a Chinese lady. <laughs> so yeah. that's yeah. what's hilarious. It wasn't even by a white person, and and he was like, no, 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 this you know you you get out because I don't want any bombs in my building. And I'm like, wow, what the hell? That was very direct. Yeah, <laughs> and and some people some people say it like you know one, it's a joke, or two, it's just oh, I don't want any bombs in my building. Like yeah, that's that's actually not. It's not okay. Like, it's not okay to say it. And, and, you know, I used to be super scared of calling people out when they're racist. And now I'm the first one to say, actually, hey, man, that, that's racist. But what you just said, and there was this quote that, that uh, Nelson Mandela mentioned, right? And um, mm -hmm. I'll read it right now. So he says, no one is born hating another person because yeah. of the color, color of their skin, 
or background or his religion. Mm. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For yeah. love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. And I, I, I saw that today and I'm like, man, this is perfect. Someone shared that on Instagram. Mm. And I was like, that's very true. We, we learn to hate. Yep. We don't, we're not born hating people or hating religions or hating colors. This is something that we learn. Yeah. And Larry, Larry just said on, uh, on Instagram that you can't force people to change. It will not be authentic. And listen, I agree. You know, sometimes I can talk to my, you know, older family members or, or cousins that are stuck in their ways or whoever, friends that are stuck in their ways. That's cool, right? I totally understand that you don't change. But if you are a racist person, like I do not have time for you. I don't yeah. care if you're a friend. You're not a friend anymore, right? I don't care if you're a family member. See you later. Like, I have no time for racism. And mm. it's not about them. It's mm. about you willing to change, right? I think it's mm. about you as a person willing to change and you as a person willing to talk about it because racism is such a hard thing. Even right now, man, my hands are here, but I'm still, you know, I'm still a little shaky because this is usually not something that people talk about because we're so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but we have to talk about it. 100%. Absolutely. We have to talk about it. Um, we, we, you and I talked about white privilege before, and I wanted to just talk about it because, you know, the first time I heard it, I was like, well, we can't fight racism with racism. And you and I chatted about that earlier today, mm. but it's not, it's not that it is actually, it, it's super real. I just want to, I want to, uh, there's five points there that I wanted to bring up about white privilege, but, um, and I've been chatting to my, to my colleagues and, and friends, my white colleagues and my white friends about this. And surprisingly, a lot of them get it, right? They, they understand that there is some sort of white privilege out there. Mm. So, you know, I'll list five of them, right? So the, mm. the privilege of having a positive relationship with police right off the bat, mm -hmm. that's very true. And we're seeing that right now. The privilege of being favored by certain schools, and that's a huge problem in the U.S. Mm -hmm. The privilege of learning about your race at school, and you know, growing up in Canada, that that was actually very true. We didn't learn anything about Indians. Mm -hmm. it was, that, <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't they didn't talk about it, right? Yeah. Now, now again, we we can we can we can talk about that in India. The schooling system might be completely different, so that might be you know brown privilege in, in yeah. India, right? We have no idea. Um, Privilege of, of news casting a better story. And there's mm -hmm. a story that I read today about a white shooter mm -hmm. that shot, I think, about 30 kids a couple of years ago. And they labeled him as, you know, a very intelligent student in science. And they labeled a black guy, an innocent black guy that was shot and killed by the police as, you know, uh, uh, pretty much like a, a hoodlum, a guy who struggled with the police before he was shot and killed which ended up being a bullshit story. And that was solely based on color. And we see that every time to the point where it is so shocking. Mm. Um, and number five, being privilege, privilege of being isolated from racism and barely experiencing it. And, you know, I, I talk to a lot of my white friends and colleagues and, you know, they don't understand because they've actually never experienced racism. Some of them have, mm. some of them have, yep. and some of them will be labeled out, but, but, you know, a lot of them have not experienced it. And to be honest, not in, not experiencing it is a is a huge privilege especially for you know if you walk into a room as a white person no one actually no one really doubts you but as a person of color uh you know I, you know when i walk into a bar mm. a lot of people were like hey i thought you had an indian accent or i didn't know you mm. could speak english mm. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. uh, that are you kidding me but but yeah. these things still happen today yes. yeah these things still happen today so Anyway, I just wanted to, to, to bring a point up. It's actually interesting you said that because it just reminded me of the, of the Facebook post that I mentioned. So I ran two polls over the last week 
one on Instagram, one on um, one on Facebook. And the things that popped up was it was simply have you experienced racism in your life? It's as that simple as that. And what was it? I think it was 12% on Facebook mentioned that they had not. And it was the inverse on, on Instagram. For some reason, it was the complete inverse. And um, it was about 98% said that they had. Now, so the, the, the analytics seem a little bit skewed, but the common factors were every single person that had said that they had not experienced racism was white. They were mm. some sort of a Caucasian, um, some Europeans, um, well, there was one or two Americans that I know, but all of them were from a white skin color. Whereas every single person that's, that said yes to this, um, that they had experienced some sort of racism in their life, was Asian, brown, and believe it or not, white as well. There was, there was literally every color possible within yeah. that environment, which goes to show it's not about black people. It's not. It's actually all races, which, you know, as simple as if you don't believe me, put that post out for yourself. See what happens. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And and we talked about that, you know, on and on. Every color can experience it, but there is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to talk about that. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, what I mentioned before, do not fight racism with racism. We cannot go attacking certain colors. That's not going to get us anywhere. We're actually going backwards, but we need yep. to try to figure out a way to work together. And again, if the people don't want to work together, cool, that's fine. You know, they don't have to be a part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, they do not have to be a part of your journey. Now, I wanted to talk about protesting mm-hmm. because I think it's super important. Because I think that if you're not, if you don't educate yourself with what's happening right now, you turn on the news and all you see are people stealing TVs and shoes and skateboards <laughs> and all this shit, right? And then all of a sudden you say, oh, these protesters are idiots. Why are they going out there? Why are they protesting during COVID, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're going to get the virus. They're going to spread the virus. Listen, it got to a point now where nobody gives a shit about contracting the virus because they need to be heard. And that's mm-hmm. why people are protesting out there. It, this, yeah. is, this is beyond coronavirus now. It's real. And hey, you know what? I'd rather go out and risk getting it because I need to be heard and I need to, be go, out, I need to go out with my people and actually speak. And, and you know, a lot of people that, that have joined right now uh, on Facebook and Instagram, I've seen a lot of these people going to protest. And I think, mm-hmm. hey, you know, what? like if you feel safe enough to go, go. But if you want to be heard, you should go as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, we talked about looting. And I think there are people taking the piss. There <laughs> yeah. are people going and stealing those TVs. And first of all, they're like 30 inch TVs. Like, yeah. come on, like th- th- those things are super cheap now. Right. And I think that's what I meant. Like, I think I mentioned this to you, you know, the focus in the media is that black people are looting Kmarts and, 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 you know, looting and doing all these things that are, you know, unquestionable, not, not, sorry, illegal and unquestionable and things like that. But then if you look at those photos that are actually going viral, even the videos, there's actually all different types of races stealing and looting and doing all these things. There's actually a photo that I sent to a friend of mine where you can actually see the guys where, where there's a bunch of black people in focus, they're in front of the picture, they're breaking and breaking, um, stealing some TVs. But there's a guy in the background with a, uh, with a face mask on, he's stealing Legos, right? Yeah. In the middle of this riot, his priorities laid with Legos. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, he's literally looting. It's not fair, right? So he's just choosing to take advantage. And I don't think um, 
condoning any sort of looting in this scenario, regardless of your skin color, is actually the right thing. If you're if you're stealing, you're stealing. It's simple as that. It doesn't matter what what skin color you are. Yeah, and you know, we we go back to the why people are looting, right? Why is this actually happening? And mm. we've tried. We, I mean, people of color, we've tried to do this peacefully. We've tried. It didn't work. <laughs> so now we're gonna well, now we're gonna protest and listen. And we have no right to tell people how to protest, right? Again, mm-hmm. when you turn on and and, and I, I I'm talking about protesting quite a bit because there's been a lot of people that I've spoken to in the past two weeks that are like, oh, it's bullshit, right? This mm-hmm. whole thing is crap. Black Lives Matter, all they're doing is protesting, mm-hmm. and they, and they're breaking their stores and stealing gas and blah blah blah. I'm like, well, these are you know what you're seeing are the idiots of the protests mm-hmm. doing that sort of stuff. Right. That's like the one percent or the three percent. It's yeah. almost like, you know, and we'll talk about police officers next, but it's almost like calling every single police officer out there bad. It's not true. It's far from the truth. Mm-hmm. But you cannot look at that and say every single protester out there is, is, is an idiot. Right. And again. Quiet protesting and peaceful protesting did not work. And I have a list of 12 things that I want to read out to everybody. Sure. 12 sure. things. That protesting has done, and I love this, right? In one week of protesting, this is what has been accomplished, right? Since the protest, number one, Minneapolis has banned the chokeholds. Police officers are no, no longer allowed to chokehold anyone. Two, charges against the main officers, the main officer and his partners have been upgraded, which I think is great for, the, for George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas adopted a duty to intervene for police officers. So if you see another police officer that's going overboard, it is now your legal duty to pull that police officer or, or you know, interfere mm-hmm. in, in that occasion. Four, New Jersey will update their force laws for the first time in 30 years. Like some of these places have not touched their laws in 30 years. Mm. Number five, Maryland will announce a police reform group. Number six, LAPD's billion budget, police budget, is now being reduced. Number seven, police brutality caught on camera leads to an immediate suspension of all police officers. Now, I actually found that really scary because imagine what's happening off of the cameras. Imagine what people are not catching. So that's, that to me, super scary. Number eight, monuments celebrating Confederates and slave traders have been taken down by force. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Black Lives Matter. Black Live Black Lives Matter. Sorry, street renamed in front of the White House. And I don't know if you know, but the White House is now on sixteen hundred Black Lives Matter Plaza, which is wow. Beautiful, I didn't know that. Which is amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's that's the illegal address of the White House. Number ten, military forces have been removed from D- Washington D.C. And number eleven is a hundred million dollars. Have been, has been put back into communities of color in LA alone. Mm-hmm. And that is all within one week. This is all within one week of protesting. Yeah. So if someone says that protesting does not work, you know, read them that list, go back in this video, watch the live and read them the 11 things that I just listed because this protest, protesting is working. And it's embarrassing that it had to, it had to start with protesting, but unfortunately it did. So this is why protesting is working. What's the 12th And, and it, it's, it's sad, but it's true. Sorry, well, you, didn't you mention there was 12? No, the 12th was the, the White House address, but I already oh, okay. I, I put that in number nine because I was too excited. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to tell you guys. So there's yeah, 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Now, sorry, if you had a, if you had a question. No, 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 that was it. And I think, look, to me, protesting isn't, um, the, the idea of protesting is, is different from the conventional way. Uh, whereas for myself, I think protest, protesting actually means raising awareness in, a, in different formats. So sometimes one person might be comfortable going into an actual physical protest with signs and getting involved with those kinds of things versus some might be writing articles to, to post online. You know, um, either way, I think protesting is about bringing the people power to to attention to make those changes ha happen. And I think I love that. And, and um, I've seen some celebrities do this on their own terms as well. Um, guys like Michael B. Jordan, I saw recently, is actually in the front lines going through yep. the physical pro protest. But then guys like Idris Alba is actually um, raising awareness on YouTube, making videos and things like that, just to just to get mm -hmm. the masses, to educate people. So I think either way, whatever that, whatever, wherever you're comfortable with, um, maybe some people aren't comfortable with protesting. Like for me, I actually wouldn't probably go to an actual march physically myself. However, mm -hmm. if I see value in what that protest is doing, then lifestyle changes, then conversations, um, you know, whether that's a social media thing, whether that's a putting out of, you know, things like this, to, to share an opinion, those kinds of things I think need to be taken into account because um, not everyone might be, a, um, what do you call, comfortable with the normal way of protesting. But 100% agree with you, yeah. and those, those, um, those 11 things are very powerful. Yeah, and I totally agree with you, right? Some people aren't comfortable going out and protesting. Listen, at the end of the day, we are in a pandemic, right? So yes. we're not saying <laughs> well, go, maybe, go and do this. Even, but even, even if you're doing yeah. outside the pandemic, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and, and, and a lot of people, you're right. So even if the pandemic didn't exist, a lot of people are not comfortable doing it. But there are so many other ways to help. Mm. And I think number one, number one is, is share and use your voice, yeah. right? Share a story, use your voice. Um, and actually, no, I'll take that back. Number one is think about it. Just, just think about it. Put yourself in, in you know, a black person's shoes for, for, for mm. whatever, an hour or 10 minutes. Put yourself in their shoes and think about you know, what they're thinking. And we talked about this last week, and you know, I want to expand on it now. We talked about, uh, you know, uh, let's say, a little black girl growing up. Um, let's say an eight-year-old black girl turns on the TV now. What mm. is she thinking, right? And... You know, I, actually, we didn't get to how the racism, your ra racial encounter made you feel, but Bob made me feel very small. It made me feel angered, made me feel, you know, pretty violent. The first, the first one did, definitely when I got punched in the back of the head. And, you know, I felt like I didn't belong. And, but I'm an adult, and I can get over this. But if you're an eight-year-old kid or a six-year-old kid that's going to school, that is being made fun of, what is actually going through your head, mm -hmm. right? So I think that, uh, you know, number one is think about this. Put yourself in someone else's shoes and think about what they're going through. Mm. Number two is use your voice, mm. right? Like you and I are doing right now. This is such a hard conversation to have, but you know, we have, we have a couple people on Facebook, a couple people on Instagram. I'm glad everyone's joined. And I hope that everyone can walk away just, you know, being able to think about this. And number three is donate. There's so many charities that have been, that mm. have been created to help with this cause. Mm. Just find a charity and donate. And this will be invested back into black communities, black back into black businesses, yeah. um, and and so it should be. So, and I yeah. think it's that um, it's that ability to have an open discussion like this without judgment. Like I would have this exact same conversation with 
with whatever the skin color of, of another person, if, if they're open to a w open discussion, you know, if they're yeah. willing to put in the effort without judgment, most of the time they're coming from a place of wanting to learn and raise awareness. And then that conversation is always a productive one. If it's always closed minded and, and I always, let's say, for example, one of us thinks that it's not, it's not um, worth having this conversation because racism is a thing and that X color race shouldn't exist, then it actually shouldn't matter having that conversation. It's almost, you, you can't sit there trying to convince that person it's different. You've got to use a different tactic. And sometimes it's a worthless, um, you know, endeavor to actually sit there trying to change that person's opinion if they're not even willing to take that second and look at it. So 100% and number one tip that was perfect, sit there, reflect, and that is the start. Yeah, and, and listen, the, the fact is, that we are never going to get a white person to be black, right? We're never going to get, <laughs> you can't say, hey, hey, you know what? You'll never understand what it is to be black. Uh, they, will, they will not because they're not black. Just like you will, you will never understand as a black person to be a white mm. person. Mm. So that expectation of all of a sudden waking up the next day and you're black or you're white needs to change. And that's why I talked about fighting racism with racism because I find that a lot of my friends of color are you know, super mad at you know, white people all of a sudden no, this is not a this is not a time to be met. This is a time to actually work together and explain and use your voice, right? And use your voice yeah. as to why this needs to be equal and why we should be treated equally. So, yeah, man, I think that um, you know, and if someone doesn't want to have that conversation, like I said, you're no friend to me anymore. Like I'll see you later. Like I have no time for this shit. I have yeah. no time for this shit. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely. I, and I want to talk about defunding the police because. Uh, you know, when I first read this, I was like, well, well, why would they, why would they defund the police? And, and, but that was literally, I think the first day that it came out, mm -hmm. but, um, what are your thoughts on, on the whole defunding the police? Cause I, 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 I understand it now. Do you mean defunding? Defunding? Yes. Yeah. Oh, look, I think it, it it's a bit of a complex one and, and just thinking, you know, purely from a logical point of view, the only thing that I can think of is when, when the resources are squeezed from some people like government organizations like police and things like that, they, then they, it's all of a sudden a wake up call, I think, because they go, Oh, we can't live the life or we can't carry out the same practices that they've been doing. So if that's the case, then they're going to be, they're going to have to, you know, adjust their points of view. Sometimes that means they don't have the same toys, the same luxury to move about. They're going to have to do things a little, the harder way. I think that's the only point of view, and obviously from a from a tax point of view, those kinds of uh, fundings are can then be redirected towards other endeavors. You know, it's, especially in a time of like like the pandemic, or um, if they're going through, let's say, this riot at the moment, they're going to need those resources for other things. So maybe that's why they were they had moved those that funding away from that pool onto a different pool. Um, it, yeah. It'll be interesting to know where they put that money though. <laughs> Well, and, you know, that's, that's, so I have a list of, of a couple of things that they're doing, but, you know, Minneapolis is, is actually defunding majority of their police. And, and when we say defunding, we don't actually mean a getting rid of police officers. That's not what we're trying to do. But there's got to be, you know, where are you shifting that money to? So right now yeah. they're saying that if, if it does not go to the police, then mm -hmm. who, right? The question mm -hmm. we just asked. So a lot of it is mental health professionals mm -hmm. should be getting, should be, you know, should be more involved in what's happening. Yeah. Uh, peer support social workers, EMTs, 
conflict conflict resolution counselors, nurses, and firefighters. So that's seven. And you know, I think that's super important, right? If you take away, because one of the one of the things that I saw on a, on a report was, you know, we were struggling when we, we, I mean, the world was struggling to get, you know, simple masks to nurses and doctors mm-hmm. when when COVID was really bad, and arguably COVID's still pretty bad, you know, in in the world. But all of a sudden, police officers are, you know, militarized, right? All of a sudden, they have the, the newest, coolest gear out there to, to go fight. Mm. fight. Where, where is that funding actually coming from? And, and that, to me, is completely wrong, and I get it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was chatting with a friend today, and I didn't plan on talking about this, but I'll bring this up quickly. It's just more on, on schooling for police officers, right? If you look at the – and this came from a friend that's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, she's done – you know, eight, nine years of schooling to understand human rights, to understand people, to understand the laws, you know, eight, nine years where a police officer, someone can become a police officer in I think six months, right? So, or less, six months or less. So, you know, is, does the criteria for police officers need to be higher? And I, I say this as a guy who has multiple friends that are police officers, right? But it is true. Do, do, you know, if you look at a lawyer who needs to study the law and human rights for nine years, I don't you think police officers should have somewhat sort of the education? And and that's why we see so much pr- police brutality, because we're dealing with people that may not know how to control their, their actions and become police officers, but they're not taught that, right? And, mm. you know, I, I had an argument with a friend the other day about, you know, he was trying to tell me that um, police academies teach you, he's not, he's not a cop, but he's just trying to tell me that police academies must teach you to be racist and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, no, these, these people are just regular human beings yeah. that grew up in a household, maybe that was racist, that became police officers. So and they, they hold these beliefs, right? Yeah. It, well, they hold, they hold these, and yeah, exactly. They hold these beliefs that they, they grew up with. So, you know, maybe that education side has to be stronger, but I think that, you know, I think this, this whole thing has taught the world, you know, uh, some, there's going to be a lot more change. And I think the whole world is, is being taught right now. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Man. And I definitely agree. I think if it's six months, it needs to be gone through a, a rigorous process. It's kind of like, you know, any profession, it's almost like a two, three year year process. An architect is five years minimum. That's just your study studies not taking into account experience. A lawyer is going to be five, six years as well. Minimum education professors, 10 years, nine years, eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, man. It needs to be more than six months. And I completely agree with that. It needs to be, I think that, I think coming from a, law enforcement point of view if you don't have a moral compass it's going to be pretty difficult to i think um how do you how do you even govern that how do you govern the police (laughs) i think that's where the education is going to play a big role in that so the training leading up to it it's a must it has to change absolutely man well hey listen we went 42 minutes what are what are some of your final thoughts man Final thoughts. And honestly, I actually didn't think of this one. I wanted to just hear the conversation out because racism for me, obviously, other than my personal experiences, for me, all all lives matter. And it, it's not, I don't care if you're a human or, or a dog, you shouldn't treat the dog this in a, do- a bad way just because they're a dog. It's, it's for me, I think that's my Buddhist, Buddhist upbringing where you would, all beings are created equal. And um, mm-hmm. they should be treated in the same way. But I love the fact that I think you mentioned to actually sit there and reflect on it. Even that's for, even if it's for 30 seconds, that's enough to actually build enough empathy 
sometimes to undo years of you know learned racism without even without at, a sub, at a subconscious level. So just bringing that to your thought, um, I think um, conscious mind and sitting there to reflect to put it into the into the of the person's shoes, um, whether that's Chinese, Asian, you know, um, Arabic, Indian, whatever it doesn't really matter what skin color. I think that's mm-hmm. the step in the right direction. And if a lot of if enough people do that. We'll have a pretty beautiful world. Yeah, that's that's good, man. Well, well said. I thought about how to end this today, and, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I'll say this, right? I'll say this. I think that, I think that if you look at, okay, look, picture yourself as a as a black man, you know, who walks into an interview, who mm. before he even says a word or before he mm. sits down, it, is not getting that job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Think of that black family that walks into, you know, um, an office wanting to buy a home, and as soon as the real estate agent sees them, they're not getting that house. They're not getting that house. He values the neighborhood. <laughs> Correct. Right. Correct. And that's why. You, and you see that all over the world. Right? You see, and in, in, even in Australia, you talk about Boundary Street. That's that's, you know, that's that's perfect mm. example of real estate. You know, think of that. You know, little black girl that's turning on the TV now. Seeing all this fighting and trying to understand, you know, am I worth, uh, what am I worth here, right? What do I do? And I think that if we put ourselves in their shoes, then we're going to understand better about what to do next. And um, there's a couple of things on, on Facebook, Ben Blaschka. Yeah, tough topic, you know, definitely um, some, you know, I, I think you joined a bit late, but we were saying that it, it's such a hard thing to talk about racism. Um, racism, like religion, is taught. How do you unlearn something? And, you know, that, that's, that's a really hard question, right? But because you're taught it, you can unlearn it. And I think, again, this goes back to putting yourself in someone's shoes. But to end this off, Ben, all I have to say is that if you're not standing up for humanity, sit your ass down or get out of my way. That's really it. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with you. Yeah. If, you don't, if you're not standing up for us, sit down. Because that was to the point. I love we, it. <laughs> we, we have, yeah, we have things to do. We have things yeah. to do. So, um, that's it for me, man. Uh, thank you, as always. Uh, very tough conversation, but I'm, I'm glad we've uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we've had it. So um, let's let's you know uh, we'll, we'll hopefully see everybody next week. And if listen, I do want to say that if you do have any questions about what we talked about or didn't agree or agree to whatever, this is an open forum. We're not going to hate anybody here. Um, you know, please come come talk to me. Please message Rashawn. Everybody's here to help, and uh, everybody's here to talk about it. So let's continue this conversation. This is not a, you know, great job, guys. See you later. You know, Wednesday night, wake up Thursday, go back to it. This is a conversation that needs to be had for a very long time. Yeah. Even though we might do a different topic next week, keep this conversation going and, and, and reach out to us. It's, it's a call to action we've been giving from about week six or seven. And some people actually have chosen to do that and, you know, get involved mm-hmm. with the polls that we do just because that's how we actually are learning. And you know what? In the last nine weeks, just talking to uh, Shiv and you know everyone that's in, involved in this process, I've personally learned so much myself. You know, without having this conversation, I would have learned about the eleven different things. So that's a key takeaway for even personally for myself. So you know, one hundred percent, get involved and do something. Be the change you wish to see, see in the world. And I think that's the now. Uh, let's let's call it on that note. Beautiful, man. Thank you very much, dude. Really appreciate it. Everyone, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Have fun. See you, buddy. 
Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For more information, visit shivrad.com. Peace. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.